It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, May 18th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is doing your favorite thing, Russ. We're talking prospects again today. I can't complain. I love it. We're going to dig into the importance of the Flyers' third-round picks and then profile Matt Vay-Mitchkoff and third-round possibility Matthew Catafort. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. You can subscribe or follow us for free on YouTube. We're now on the SiriusXM app. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Not much Flyers news going around these days. However, uh, Ronnie Adderd, who's been playing on Worlds for Team USA, did not crack the lineup for their uh, more recent game against Austria. Really bummed out about that because he's been playing well. Yeah, he's, he's been doing good. I mean, what the hell? I, I don't like it. But again, it's the World Championships. You can't really get me too worked up about it. Right. I mean, as teams get eliminated from the NHL playoffs, some new guys get shipped over and they tend to add them to the lineup. Uh, Former Flyer Patrick Brown joined the roster as well. (sighs) I'm sorry. Did you say something? (laughs) Yeah. The bigger news in hockey, though, was the vote that took place in Arizona in Tempe about the stadium project did not pass, which I think took some people by surprise, uh, which kind of leaves the Coyotes' future in a little bit of uncertainty. Yeah, it didn't take me by surprise. I did a lot of research on it, and and they had some big issues to overcome. And I just, I pointed them out for the last few months on different shows. And even yesterday, I said, it's not going to pass. And, you know, and I had conversations with people on both sides. People thought that it would, people thought that it wouldn't. The biggest thing was, there was a massive voter turnout. Older people came out in droves. It was like something like between 35 and 37%. And that's what really did it in, in the end. And, you know, again, uh, now the Coyotes are in a spot where I believe they're moving. They're not going to tell you they're moving. But Gary Bettman's not going to tell you they're moving. Some people are going to say there's not enough time. There was enough time with Atlanta and Winnipeg. And I don't think the NHL um, would be in a position where even though they wanted this to happen and thought this would happen, be unprepared to not have that next spot picked out and, and a quick escape route. I, I really do feel like that's in place. I don't have any knowledge of it whatsoever. I just have to feel that that has to be because I can't believe that they would want to go another year uh, at a college in Arizona where they're not making money and the owners are you know, basically looking at this like this team is making like one-fifth the amount that we are. Yeah, it's interesting because Bill Daly has said they're not going anywhere, uh, you know, <laughs> take it or leave it, right? Yeah, right. In in terms of that. They but said that about Atlanta, too. They did. They did. And so I, it feels like it's going to go one of two ways. They are going to pull up the trucks and just move out overnight somewhere that's already been vetted, or they're going to give this like 
fr this franchise one last shot at it and play it mullet and give them a year to get some other stadium deal put together. And then that would be it. That's a losing effort to me. Like they might do that, but to it me, it could just, be, it's a it, losing effort. They could do it anyway. Cause how many times have they put forth losing efforts I know. with dealing with the Yotes? But this is to me the so. biggest losing effort. This is the one that should smack you in the face and say, okay, the people do not want this. And you could argue, yeah. hey, people in Phoenix do fine, but it's not enough people or there wouldn't be a problem. You, you would have a, a regular rink. You would still have a rink. So in the end, there, overall, there isn't enough people to want this. And they could keep putting a patch on it as long as they want, but there's going to be a time where it's, they can no longer hide it. And they're not going to tell us when that is. Like They're just going to do it because they don't want to really admit that they're wrong here. And I get it. It's a long, there was a right. long, long play here, but it's just been a bad play. Yeah. I just feel bad for the fans. Yeah, honestly. me too. I mean, there are people who are going to lose some jobs. Part. I mean, all that stuff I feel bad for, but you know, in the end, like even for two minutes, we could talk about Salt Lake city, right? The problem with Salt Lake city for me is that arena only holds 11,000. The Houston Arena own, uh, holds 18.7 for hockey. No. Yes, for hockey. Look it up. It was 10.9. Um, so, because it's a dual purpose, correct? I mean, Vivint Arena where the Jazz play? Are you talking about? I think that's what I looked up, but you could double check it. But even so, I don't believe it has the same capacity it as has Houston. 14, it has 14,000 capacity for hockey. Okay, so 14 for hockey. Houston's 18.7. And, and so... You have that. Um, I did bring up on another show that the NBA All-Star game, which was in Salt Lake, was the lowest rated NBA All-Star game ever. They had bad ratings. They don't get great ratings on TV. They might get people to show up. I believe they would, but they don't get TV ratings. And Houston's got a way better TV market. So that's the only reason I would say no to Salt Lake today. Well, I don't know that Houston wants a reload as opposed to a fresh franchise, or they want to get the money for for a, a full, you know, new expansion franchise the league would want. Well, the, so, the, the holdup in, in Houston, for what I've been told, and, and this is pretty good authority, is that um, the league now doesn't want an owner to pay rent and be second fiddle. But no matter any of these places that Arizona goes, they're going to be second fiddle. Because until, let's say, Salt Lake gets this um, Olympic arena, you know, that's going to be two, three years down the line. And so no matter what, they're going to be second fiddle any place they go, unless they revive the old America West, which I still think they may go back to Rachel <laughs> crazy enough. I don't know. Well, we'll see what I happens know. there, but I, there's a lot of factors at play and I, I would not presume to guess where they're going right now, given everything, but uh, turning to the flyers and uh, I want to talk a little bit about the third round pick and mm -hmm. and the importance. The Flyers currently have two of them, and we know where one of them is going to be. Uh, it's the 87th overall pick we're getting from the New York Rangers. Uh, that was part of the Justin Braun deal. So uh, there's the other pick that's around the Florida Panthers. We don't know what's going to happen with that one yet, but nonetheless, a third round pick. And so I think the Flyers, you know, whether they hold on to these or not, they're going to have to make the most of these assets. And so we want to highlight some possible 
third round picks here. And, you know, when you're talking about a third round pick, that's more of a project, right? Yeah, like Devin Kaplan, last year's third round pick is a good example. There's certainly some things that you like about him. You knew that he would not be anything close to the NHL because he has to get faster and stronger. And so he's going to college and he's probably going to go three years of college. And then maybe um, you start looking at him. And and so that's that's the kind of guy you're getting. You're getting the guy that is an incomplete player that does one or two things really well. That's what you're looking at here. And I know that the conventional thinking from the fan is, well, let's try and, you know, get these two picks together and get one second rounder. You may not happen. It may not happen in this draft. And, and if it doesn't happen, I don't suggest dipping into the year after draft to trade like a second and a third for that for a second this year. Even though this draft may be a little better, I don't think they can continue to kind of operate that way. Uh, I do think there's going to be a temptation by the organization to kind of like say, well, we really got to hit a grand slam with this draft because we got to show the fans that we're going in the right direction. But you can't do that to um, to the disregard of the future. And so I would really say, don't do that. This isn't the NFL. <clears throat> These players take way too long to get to the league compared to the NFL. And it's not going to help you in the end because even if you do get this second round pick for this year and you trade, let's say, a second from next year or a third from next year and you're two thirds this year or whatever kind of crazy trade it's going to be, uh, that player that you still get this year, still going to take three to four years to get there. Yeah. And I think it's important to have patience. You know, that was our, yes. or at least my nemesis. No, and you were right about that. <laughs> and that's going to be part of it, right? Is yes. to have patience with some of these picks, especially the third rounders. Um, you know, I, I think that this is where, you know, if they still have those two picks, maybe you take a little bit of risk on one of them, but you 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 pick an, another one who is either very skilled at a particular thing and you think that the rest of his skills could, you know, be developed enough. Or be good to, enough to play at the NHL level. They may not be great, yeah. but that overall one that's great, the rest are good enough. Yeah, you want like a good across the board or does one thing the Flyers need really, really, really well. Yes. <laughs> like That's yeah. my feeling on a third round pick. Yes, I agree with you. So uh, we are not going to talk about a goalie today, but I just want to get your quick thoughts on if you think the Flyers should take a goalie in the third round. Uh, I would be leaning towards it, yes, because, uh, and it doesn't mean they have to. Like if they have a goalie that hasn't been taken yet, they're in the third round. Not sure where they're picking in the fourth, but if let's say it's 40 picks away and they feel like that guy's not going to get taken and they could take him there, then do that. Um, but on the surface, I would say, yes, I would do it because, you know, I've identified seven really good goalies in this draft. And so you'll get one in the third round like you will. And you'll need that because, again, you don't know the future of Carter Hart. Uh, even if Urson turns into your starter, like that's the best case scenario. Uh, how long is that going to go? You don't know. Um, you still need a backup, an NHL backup. You don't know if there's anybody else in the system that can do it. Probably not. Uh, Kolosov, who you know had a really good year this year in Russia, you don't know if that's going to go the way of Fedotenko or they're going to actually be able to bring him over someday. You don't know. So based on all that, I've got a draft goalie. 
Yeah, I think it's a really important to, thing to consider. We'll definitely be looking at goalies in the draft coming up in the next week or so. Uh, in the meantime, we are going to profile a first rounder and a third rounder for the rest of the show. Matt May Mitchkoff has been getting a lot of buzz. And so we thought it'd be important to talk about the pros and cons of drafting him. We'll do that coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. I look better and feel great wearing bird dogs, shorts, and pants. Their stretchy fabric makes my legs look great. I'm saying this, Rachel, and I don't know if my legs look great, but they are comfy, and their shorts and their pants do feel good. It's They're, they're kind of like really good for long-term wear. Uh, I like them uh, just kind of hanging around the house, walking the dog, mowing the lawn. Uh, it, it's actually even I haven't tried them out on a long uh, car trip, which I'm going to do for the uh, NHL combine. So I think that it'll be good for that, too. Uh, but that's where I think uh, these things really come in handy. And and I think people will really like them. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL. And when you enter the promo code locked on NHL, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. And that tumbler is really good. It's a really quality tumbler, which I definitely will use on my trip to the NHL combat. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Flyers. That is where you'll keep up to date on Flyers news, our episodes, all that good stuff. Uh, you, if you have questions for us, you can contact us there or email us at lockdownflyers at gmail.com. Always love to hear about the questions you have that we can answer on our mailbag. So Madve Mitchkoff, Russ, his name has been thrown around uh, for a lot of different potential picks in the top 10. I would say, you know, in terms of the ranking, he's ranked in the two to four range, mm -hmm. uh, but could potentially drop to the Flyers. And uh, why is that, given how good he appears to be? Well, he's got a long-term contract, and I think it runs in the KHL. In the KHL, so that's I think it runs through twenty-six, twenty-seven. I think that's um, at the length of it. Uh, doesn't mean that. It won't happen earlier, but again, unless you're the Washington Capitals or unless something really changes in the world or between the, the NHL and the KHL, probably holds. So, you know, that's a few years away. So you might not get this player for at least, what are we talking, four years? And then you see him, uh, you know, so four to five years, which isn't, again, outrageous compared to other prospects that may not get you in certain time too. But if you're spending a high draft pick and you want to be able to um, market a player, like if you're taking Mitch Cuff, you'll get a good weekend of marketing and then that's it. Your fan base isn't going to see him for a very long time. You're, he's not going to come over. Like he's not, you're going to have to watch KHL broadcast to see him. So I get it. If, if fans, if teams are looking for that marketing buzz or they want somebody who's coming over sooner, then you can't take them. And so that's where I think he starts to tumble a little bit. And, and again, there were circumstances also that happened with his dad that people want to say could be a factor. I don't know, but you never know. So based on all that, I think in the fourth spot, I don't think San Jose is going to take him. Uh, Greer kind of already said like, hey, I have no problem taking Mitchkoff. But when you say that, I don't believe you as a GM. Sorry. Um, just didn't feel like it was legitimate. Very cynical yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, it just felt like GM speak. So I'm going to count them out. 
And then, so I'm going to say, you know, then we're at the fifth spot. And I think he is going to go somewhere between five and eight. Eight's where the Capitals sit. And so, you know, I think that's going to be the sweet spot. But is it possible he falls further? It is. But it doesn't take away from his talent, Rachel. No, none of this has affected the guy's talent. Right. I mean, he is that skilled goal scoring threat. Um, you know, just looking at his highlights and having seen him play in a couple of games, he's so creative around the net. Um, he has good vision through traffic. Like he takes shots in traffic that I would not expect. And they go in like he really can see where the openings are. Yeah, he sees where the openings are. He's always a step ahead. I've seen him be very smart with the puck. He's got a fast release on the one-timer. He's got great hands. He can deke around defenders. I mean, he when he is going full speed, he's like the Energizer Bunny out there. He is hard to deal with. Uh, I've seen him just make guys look silly. So he is a franchise player. No question in my mind he's a franchise guy, but the question is which franchise is going to take a chance on him. Yeah, and you know you also have to look at areas of improvement but you have to think that playing in a league like the khl is going to give him a chance to progress on all of these things you know he doesn't have a ton of size right he's a pretty small guy um not very fast and isn't as strong on the defensive side of his play but i think that you know the the khl is is nothing to sneeze at in terms of getting better at those things no and he'd have the opportunity to do that i do think his edge work and speed are are, are good though very good um so i'm not really worried about that i just look at same thing as kaprizov when there are some guys that won't develop fully at the khl level because the team hasn't put the effort into it like but one of the stars like mitchkov who they think will be you know one of the biggest stars in the league they're going to put all the effort into it uh, he's going to be on the best teams. He's going to do all the right things. Now, right now, he's not on one of the best teams, but you'll see that, that that'll probably change at some point. So, yes, they're going to he's going to develop there. I'm not even worried about that. He will develop. He will develop into an NHLer. He'll develop into a really solid NHL player. So now the question is, you know, do you take him? I don't think the Flyers will take him, though. I just I, and it's not because of Fedotenko. People point to that. I don't think it's that I I have pointed out. Fedotov. Fedotov. Sorry. Uh, Rusty Fedotenko is the other guy who was in my head. Um, but I, I did point out on this show that historically, uh, you have to go back to Rupstaff from Provorov. And I don't think even that is the, uh, the end all be all for as far as a first round pick for them. I do think, though, that they're one of those teams now that are so desperate for marketing that they do want to market this first guy of their new regime. And they're not going to be able to do that with Michikov. We're not even sure if he'll be here at the draft or at the combine. So that's that's a whole other thing. Imagine if they do draft him and there's an empty chair and they're just doing a video from Russia like that's, you know, for me, that's that's not what what this regime wants. They want an actual player, I think, here that they can put their arm around, have him up on the stage and start trotting him around in front of the fan base, have him go right to rookie camp. I think they want the whole nine on that. And I don't think you're going to get the whole nine with Mitch Goff to start. Yeah, that that was going to be kind of my next point is that it just doesn't seem like good timing for a pick like this for the Flyers that I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they would pick a guy like this in, you know, all things being equal in a vacuum. But I think given everything, they're really going to want more of a face 
to put in front of fans, like you said, and, you know, a, a face to pair up with Cutter Gautier, I think, in terms of selling the future of this team. Yeah. Um, so 26, 27 is actually when you would see Mitch Goff. 25, 26 is yeah, the that's, last year of his contract. That's a long way away. It is. In, it's a long ways away. Even in a rebuild, it's a long way but away. But I will say this. If this were three years ago, when the Flyers still had Claude Giroux, I think they might have drafted him because I think they would have said, hey, we're still we're, at this point, we're looking for a successor for Claude Giroux. And this guy could be it. We only have to wait, you know, maybe a year or two after Giroux retires, which now is much longer because he's he's going probably farther than anybody thought. Anyhow, he may play three more years in Ottawa. Who knows? So but the idea is, I think at that time, they would have been more receptive to it at this time. I don't think they'll be receptive to it at all. And I don't think they'll trade it. I just think they'll take somebody else. Yeah, I'd be interested. Uh, I, I think the likelihood is very low, but if yes. Washington really, really wants him, would they trade? Would they swap picks and get another pick out of Washington? I mean, anything is possible, but that's not their style. And, and again, yeah. they just they just brought up. Here's here's the reason why I say no. Well, first thing, I don't even think he drops to seven. But we're having this conversation just for the sake of having it but if he were to um they just brought over miroshenko like they were able to bring him over and he's a really good talent and just needs a little bit of development you can make the argument that now that they have miroshenko they don't really need mitchkov like they're looking more short term for someone to play with ovechkin and they've got that in, in miroshenko now in a sense so it's kind of like do they really need to do this and i don't think they need to because i think to, um, you know, I think if you figure out and draft wise, if you want to play the odds, right, the odds are with the Capitals that if the if Capitals are calling you to do if the uh, Flyers are calling you, sorry, to do this switch. If I'm the Capitals, I'm like, nah, that's all right. We'd rather not. And I don't think the Flyers are taking them anyhow. Now, the Flyers could still swap it out to another team that wants them but you only get so much time on the clock. So if it were me with Washington, I would say, well, let's see, let's talk about it for a minute, talk about it for a minute, minute and a half, and then say no. And then they only have two minutes to now either make a deal or step up and, and make a pick. You know what I mean? I would play this cutthroat like that because I really know at the end of the day, the Flyers are not taking them. Yeah, that's probably true. Just had to put it out there. No, it's fair. I mean, and listen, maybe Briere changes that, but if, you know, if I'm going to give you odds on that, I'd say it's ten percent. All right. Well, uh, we'll obviously keep track of what's going on with Mitchkoff and the potential for him dropping to seven. In the meantime, we are going to look at a potential third round pick for the Flyers in Matthew Cataford of the QMJHL. We'll do that coming up next. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With the eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your car to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. 
eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Russ, I was very excited to talk about Matthew Catterford. Uh, I, you know, coincidentally, as I mentioned to you off air, as I was beginning to do some research, he scored a goal in the QMJHL finals for the Halifax Mooseheads. Uh, so there was a highlight for me there right away. And this kid is really fascinating to me, mostly because the Halifax Mooseheads are a fascinating to me as as far as their structure Mm -hmm. and what their roster looks like so matthew is uh 511 187 so bigger bigger kid and he's a right winger who's played middle six mostly second line for the mooseheads now the mooseheads have an extremely stacked roster in the overager end so their top three scorers for halifax were the top three point getters in the queue all season long. And so for Matthew to stand out amongst these, you know, older, bigger, you know, scoring kind of guys, I think, you know, was going to take a lot. Right. Yes. And he managed to do that Mm -hmm. to a a large degree. Yeah. He's a, an exciting prospect. I like him. We have to remember the Q is a league that the goaltending is not great. And when you watch them, there's a lot of space out there. You have to admit it. You could see it. You could just see in the way they're able to operate. Yeah. But what your job to do as a, as a scout is figure out what he's doing there. Can that transfer at the next level? Is that going to transfer? And so we keep talking about the Flyers needing a playmaker. This guy's a playmaker. And, and so if I'm going to you know risk, because again, they don't have much in the playmaking department as far as young players. Now, Morgan Frost is definitely good at it, but we don't know anybody else in the system that I'm going to really tag a playmaker. And this guy, I think, could be better than Frost as far as just the way his hands are. And I like Frost, believe me. And Frost will do a lot of other things better than Catterford right now. But this guy has playmaking on his mind. He does. And he can score goals, too. He has a definite um, good hands and decisive shot. Uh, I like his backhand. I like the fact that um, he has some speed. He'll When he goes right to the net, he knows exactly what he's going to do. Uh, he could do that look-away pass that Claude Giroux used to do, which I like mm-hmm. because a lot of times uh, you can get a little more openness or just a little bit more zone time and then get it to the player right where there's a scoring chance, and he seems to have that timing where he could do that. Uh, you have to pay attention to him when he's on the ice. And he's also will be in front of the net and do deflections too. Yeah. I think that just watching him play, I think all of those things are true, but also I was impressed with his defensive game and he is very physical in his play and he was able to get back. And I think that he's just as conscientious about his defensive responsibilities as he is, you know, with his playmaking vision. And I think that's important too. And, you know, you talk about Morgan Frost and I think that, you know, there was some question about his defensive skills uh, and that he needed to work on that. And this is something that while uh, Cataford will have to adjust to a higher level of play, it's something that's front and center in his mind a lot as, as he plays. And it's not something that's going to have to be taught. It's something he'll just have to adjust. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he's a battler out there. 
he, he's like one of those guys that wants to, you know, just do everything he can every shift. Uh, I liked his, his, his zone exits when he's out on the attack and, and he's got the puck, he can do some things. And so, you know, there's very few flyers right now that could do that or guys in their system that can do that, that can carry up the puck and, and know what to do with it in case they're allowed to, or maybe the coach of the future allows them to do that. Um, he would be one of those guys that you would have no problem allowing to do that. And so I feel like taking a swing on him if he's there is essential. Now, I'll even go so far as to say if he's still in the third round, and I don't know, you said the first third round pick they have is 84th, and you said the second third round pick they have is, I don't know, we don't know yet, but it, it's a good team. So chances are it's not going to be yeah. it's not going to be great. I'm not against packaging those to move up to the third if you're going to get a guy like this. Then I can wait on right. the next the next pick for a goalie because there is a time where once in a while, um, if there's a player that you feel other teams are vying for and you're not really spending too much, if I'm just spending that extra third that I picked up just for the Justin Braun trade, I could justify it. If I think this guy's going to really be a top six guy and is going to buck the trend of a third round pick in the future. If I'm the GM, I'll roll the dice on that. That's interesting uh, that you would risk an extra pick on this guy. Uh, I think, I don't know if that's something the Flyers would be willing to do, that this this iteration of the Flyers would be willing to do. I definitely think a past version of them would absolutely do it. Uh, but again, you know, as we talked about with the potential first round pick, I think it's going to probably be a slightly lower risk than it might have been otherwise in the past. But, uh, you know, we'll see. In the meantime, you can continue to watch Matthew Catterford in the Q finals for at least a, a couple more games and uh, see for yourself. Uh, we will put a link to that goal he scored for Halifax the other night. You know, maybe Briere will notes. see himself in this player. Yeah, could be. Could absolutely be. Uh, in the meantime, we are going to continue our draft coverage into tomorrow's episode. We're going to focus on defensemen. And, uh, you know, it's not likely that the Flyers will take a defenseman in this draft, but we have to talk about it because it's always a possibility. So we're going to talk about David Reinbacher and Axel Sandin Pelika, who are potential first round picks in that position. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So you can send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.